I think the biggest thing was feeling seen, like seeing other women that look like me in successful positions, pursuing higher education and just like being their full self. I feel like that's such a underrated experience. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to How to College First Gen. I'm your host, Alejandro Isagire. March is Women's History Month, and for the next month, we'll be highlighting first-generation women's experiences throughout their educational and professional journeys. Today's episode covers a topic that a lot of first-generation students experience, attending a predominantly white institution, or more commonly known as a PWI. For a lot of people of color, but especially black people, attending a PWI can feel like a very isolating experience. In today's episode, we're welcoming Iman Mustafa to the show. I met Iman through the Public Policy and International Affairs program at UC Berkeley a few years ago. She's been a champion for educational equity and is an experienced community organizer. She delves into how she navigated attending a PWI as a Black Muslim woman and talks about how she developed a community of support throughout her college experience. Thank you for coming on to the show, Iman. Thank you for having me. I want to start off with talking a little bit about you. Could you tell me a little bit about your background? Where did you grow up and where did you go to college? Yeah, so my family is from Ethiopia and I've lived in Seattle basically all of my life. Um, my parents immigrated here in the late 80s. Um, and so we've been living there ever since. We grew up in the central district of Seattle where a lot of immigrant black immigrants live and just like black people in general lived um, in the city. I attended like a very preppy high school after going through public school in that neighborhood for a number of years. So the moment I hit middle school and high school, um, my parents were like, it, it, I feel like the immigrant background is kind of like very concerned about making sure we make it to college, right? It's like you su- your parents suffer leaving a war torn country, coming to a place of stability. They really want you to like excel. So I knew they were, they were very stressed as like me being a firstborn, like I need to get to college. So they put me, they helped me get through a prep school that gave me scholarship to attend. It was predominantly white, um, but the whole the whole school was very rigorous. It was more like getting students to college, making sure they make it. So I went there for about seven years, um, and then I ended up at the University of Washington, which is in Seattle. It's a very big like state school. A lot of people end up at UW who are from Seattle. Um, not saying that it's like a chill school, but like it's just like the school that everybody wants to go to. It's accessible. It's a good school. You're likely to get a good job after. So my parents really wanted me to go there. Um, so I went to UW and studied law, societies, and justice. And you know, I kind of, I kind of figured out my track once I got there. But I think, yeah, UW was a very, very rigorous academic school. But I think going to a prep school helped me, and I think that kind of shifted my understanding of equity. Uh, because I was low income and I was first gen going through like a private school experience was like something that I felt privileged to have, um, knowing that my parents could not afford the tuition of private school, but having the privilege to go through that and seeing like, wow, so many other students are granted this privilege, like, what am I going to do once I get to higher education or go through college to like give back to my community? That's kind of what sparked my interest. A lot of our listeners are first-generation students. They're going through the process of creating their college lists and figuring out which schools they want to study at. Could you talk about your college application process? What was your process to developing your college list? And what led you to study at the University of Washington? 
growing up in Seattle, you kind of have access to the same schools. So it's like either you dub a couple other private universities like Seattle U, Seattle Pacific University, and um, a couple of schools that are kind of out of the city. So like if you choose to go to school in Washington State, you might have to just like live on your own two to three hours away. Um, and like as a first generation student, that would mean like living on my own, paying out of state or paying um, living expenses and costs that, you know, you can't necessarily afford as a first generation student. So I was looking really local. I was like, where can I go in Seattle? That's affordable. Um, UW is a very competitive school, but also very accessible in the sense that it's in the city. And so they have three campuses. So it's like, if, at least if I get into one, I can be close to home. Um, knowing that it's a state school, it meant that it had more funding. Um, so outside of just like if even if you didn't have outside scholarships as a lower income student, I had a better chance of getting my tuition covered. Um, even though I, I did have to work in um, while I was a student, it had some had more leniency as far as coverage. I wouldn't be struggling if I went to a state school. For a lot of people of color, but especially black people, attending a PWI can feel like a very isolating experience. It's not common that you see yourself in the professors that teach your courses, and it's rare to even see people around campus that look like you and share your experience. What are some spaces you found at your university that helped you feel like you belonged? Yeah, I think early on, like my freshman year, I was really involved in the Black Student Union. So like my student kind of felt like mentor person had been there for a couple of years and was BSU president. So she just kind of like looped me in. She's like, you should come for a meeting. Totally fine. If you don't have any board experience, just kind of like meet other people and mingle. So I was able to meet some Black students that way. They have some programming for like first generation students, but it was kind of kind of meeting other students in class that kind of were like, oh, you're also first gen, low income, like, you know, kind of seeing each other, seeing the full identity of someone else who was going through the same struggles as you kind of made you feel like you weren't in this alone. Um, but I do think that for us, it was like, because we are such a minority of students, or there wasn't that many of us, we kind of felt like, okay, we kind of have to figure stuff out on our own at times, because we felt like nobody else was experiencing those same issues, like having to work so much while attending, a, taking a full load of classes or just figuring out what classes to take um, as far or career advice. Does it matter what we majored in? Like not having certain of these uh, questions answered, we kind of had to figure that out on our own. So you're a member of Zeta Phi Beta. For our listeners who are unfamiliar with Zeta Phi Beta, it's a sorority that is part of the Divine Nine a council of historically black fraternities and sororities. Could you talk about some of the benefits of being a member of a historically black sorority and how that impacted your undergraduate experience? Yeah, I think for me, like, I love my sorority. I love being a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Um, I think the biggest thing was feeling seen, like seeing other women that look like me in successful positions, pursuing higher education and just like being their full self. I feel like that's such a underrated experience, like being in school and kind of seeing, okay, a lot of professors that don't look like you, a lot of people in positions that you want to do that don't look like you is kind of like, dang, like, can I actually do it? So being in these spaces where you're constantly reminded, like, there's a bunch of other women that look like you who are doing it, like you can do it too. Um, but also just the historical significance of understanding that like Greek life was literally not an option for Black people because we were pushed out of those spaces. So seeing the beauty in a Black Greek life space that was created for Black students and now accepting of other underrepresented students kind of shows like the beauty of like our resilience and creating space for ourselves. And so it kind of, you know, it kind of makes me feel happy to be Black and just be proud of my history and my culture. 
And it sounds like those relationships last beyond your undergraduate experience. These are spaces where you create community and a sense of belonging. Have you found other members of the Divine Nine in environments outside of an academic setting you've connected with? Yeah, I think in the East Coast, at least I know in the West Coast, we're kind of still building Greek life culture. I know in the East Coast, like it's very, it's very understood. So like when you move out here, like a lot of, I just moved out here for school. So meeting other people and seeing like, even just knowing that they're in Black Greek life, it's like a connection off the bat. It's like, oh, you're also a part of this um, group. So it's kind of a direct connection. I think that I haven't necessarily used it for professional networking, but more just like meeting people. And sometimes you kind it kind of comes up naturally. Like people were like, wait, you're also in Greek life. And then you kind of just bond off of that and make friends. You're currently a public policy graduate student at Rutgers University. While the university as a whole is among the most ethnically diverse campuses in the nation, I can imagine that it's challenging seeing people with similar experiences as you in your classrooms and in your professors. How have you found a sense of belonging in your graduate program? Yeah, so I'll say like I started having to do like mostly somewhat remote like kind of a remote experience because my first semester I was on campus like once a week and three of my classes were fully remote. So part of that was isolating only because I would only see people on Zoom and, you know, it's kind of hard to build a bond of people on Zoom. Now that I'm kind of more on campus more, I was hoping to see more people that look like me because I'm like, I was kind of using Zoom as an excuse. I'm like, oh, maybe it's just because like people have their camera off or you just don't see people. Um, But now that I'm on campus and it's kind of like one in the same, I don't, I've had my first black professor this semester, which is like really cool. And like probably the first time I really felt seen and a lot, I felt like there was a lot of invisibility that I had felt um, since starting the program. So now that I'm seeing, okay, at least one other black student um, is exciting, but also I feel a little bit sad because I think as you go up the chain in higher ed, you have this expectation of like feeling it more and more invisible. And I think that became true when I came to campus, but also meeting other students even though there's not that many of us that have similar experiences to me, kind of made me feel like, okay, I'm not in this alone, but it felt a little bit more stressful because in higher education, there's this expectation that you have everything kind of figured out. Um, And so I was hoping like, okay, this is something I won't have to struggle with as much because I'm so worried about passing my classes and doing well and being a good student. Um, But it's like, it does affect your mental health um, still, even at a higher education level and being a grown adult, it's not something I'm fully worked out yet. I'm still trying to find community. Are there spaces outside of your graduate program where you found a sense of community? I know you live in Brooklyn, so I'm imagining that there are some pockets and areas where you feel like you see yourself or you feel that sense of belonging. Yeah, I think like New York itself is a diverse place. I've been meeting people somewhat organically, like people who've already lived here before me or people that I've met from before that already have friends and groups here. So that has made me feel like a sense of belonging and and safe. But I think the hardest part is like in a graduate program, it's like so professional goal oriented. Like it's not just about you passing your classes, like where are you going to end up and like what career track are you on and like figuring all these big life decisions can feel really isolating when like you're not going through the same exact issues as someone else like you guys might be both in the same program but it's like I'm first gen I'm low income so I don't have the same understanding or connections as someone else so that type of pressure still kind of lingers no matter how close I feel to a sense of belonging on campus. I want to touch on what you just said about being first gen and low income. 
Being low income is one of the biggest factors first generation students consider when selecting a university or college. Choosing to attend a predominantly white institution isn't an easy decision to make. Often students select their college based on a number of factors, but the cost is one of the biggest motivators. And PWIs frequently offer generous financial aid packages. What is some advice you would give to black women and black Muslim women who are planning to attend a PWI? It's kind of sad, but knowing that you will most likely be the only person in a room or in a program, I think like I do see other black people. It's not like they're not there, but I think there is an isolating experience of also being black and Muslim because I feel like I get I feel like a sense of like I'm just this like alien or like some like I don't fit a box. Right. It's like you don't see a lot of Muslims that sucks. You don't see a lot of Black people, that sucks. And then now you're like this kind of dealing with both issues at once. And so you feel super isolated because now you feel like nobody really understands what you're going through. And so just making sure you have, trying to find other people that can support you in that so you don't feel alone and try not to make it overwhelm you. But I do think that, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of PWIs do give a lot of money to underrepresented students to make their campuses more diverse. But also don't feel like it is your job to do all of that work. Like if DEI work is not your passion, like don't feel like it's your job to educate everybody about your identity. Cause I feel like I, I catch myself doing that without being asked to like feeling like I have to explain my religion or how I'm black and how I'm Muslim. And it's like, this is like, that's not my job. Like if people don't, people don't get you for you, like don't feel like it's your job. So kind of taking the institution for base value, seeing what they're willing to give you. And if it is like obviously a financial smart decision, if they're able to give you a full ride, take that, but also know that that like you're there to get something out of it and don't feel like it's your job to like necessarily fix the school or do all this extra work if it is not something you want to do. Unfortunately for me, I'm very passionate about DI work. So I always catch myself in those spaces doing the work, but over time, you do become desensitized to the trauma of having to explain your identity. You have to explain where you came from, have to explain all the struggles you went through to get where you're at. And it's just not your job. So it's like if you don't feel like that is something that is serving you, protect your mental health, focus on your classes, use that money to make something of yourself and know that you're going to leave without debt. Right. Like that's the biggest thing. And like I feel like for low income students, that's what we're trying to avoid. It's like you go to, you pursue higher ed, now you're in debt. And now the whole point of you getting this degree was to not be in debt, but you've created this bigger issue for yourself. So I think that is, that is something that I don't take lightly. So if you can get that covered, do get it covered, but know that it's not your job to fix all those issues at the institution you end up at. At the end of the day, you just want to be able to pursue your goals, exist in your fullest self, and not shoulder the burdens of having to explain your existence in every room you enter. What are some ways you practice self-care while navigating these environments? I think like not working as much. The first semester I worked full time because I was kind of adjusting to moving, uh, paying for fees um, for school. And so like knowing that like okay I have to get through I just have to get through this uh was very taxing on my mental health so I think now that I'm like trying to manage you know making working less maybe find a part-time job not working full-time trying to live off of the stipend that I have like that that is a privilege in itself to be like not having to work full-time but I think if you have the ability to not work full-time like please do that like I just 
grad school is such its own beast. Like you need time to process how to like transition and how to like get used to the courses. It's not like it's any, it's not anything you've ever done before, but it's just a lot more work. And so there's a lot more, there's a lot less hand holding or like supporting you. So they will support you if you ask for it, but it's like, you're kind of, you're in a, you're grown. So you're kind of have to figure out everything out on your own. So if you can take that time to just be like, you know what, I'm going to dedicate only 15 to 20 hours of work. I'm going to spend the rest of my time studying and whatever I have left over is for myself. You'll kind of be in a better um, headspace. Iman, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty. And I'm sure that our listeners have taken away so many gems and lessons from your experiences and feel seen by hearing your story. So thank you. Thank you.